hills, but it's not a very big town. There's nothing there. It's just barren. Jesus comes all the way from Galilee down to where John is baptizing, and John tried to stop him, detour him. He tried to just say, no, 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 I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? You really want me to baptize you? You need to immerse me in what you've got. Look at Jesus' reply in verse 15. Let it be so now, it is proper for us. You ought to circle that little pronoun, us. It is proper for us together to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. And as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Now, why did Jesus go back? Why did Jesus say in verse 15, It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. This is the thing. Jesus did not need John's baptism. Not the baptism that John was preaching. He did not need any repentance. There was nothing. This is why John, like, this is kind of like, we need to reverse this. I'm preaching to people to come here and show fruits of repentance. And and Jesus didn't need that kind of baptism. But he needed to be baptized because it joined him and John together. And that baptism changed everything. Now, we read this as, oh, how nice. You know, all these three things happen. All these things are like eschatology. It's the end time kind of stuff. In fact, when you read in Mark this, you find that Mark said the heavens was rent open. It was ripped open. And the Spirit, the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove came down and landed on Jesus. And a voice from heaven said, You are my son in whom I'm well pleased. John had said earlier, this is, this is a confirmation to John. John said in the Gospel of John chapter 1, he says, you know what? I don't know really who he is. He said that. I don't know who he is. But the one who sent me, he says, God who sent me to baptize with water told me the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. In other words, John didn't realize that his baptism would cause that to happen. His baptism was part of God joining these two personalities together and saying this is truly the beginning of the end time. This is great things that are happening. The heaven is ripped open. And if you don't think that's an interesting word, the only other place hardly that it appears in the Bible is when the veil is rent. Schizo. It means a violent rip of heaven. This was, I don't know if thunder was there, but it was obvious that when people were there, they saw this divide in heaven, this cleavage in heaven. And out through that came a dove that descended on Jesus and a voice from the Father saying, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. Now, to me, I I think everybody heard that. And everybody saw that. I don't think this was a spiritual phenomenon. I don't think John was the only one that saw heaven open. 
and a dove came down and a voice. I think everybody heard that. Everybody saw that. Everybody was aware of that. And it was like this initiation of the ministry of Jesus happened right there. After this, Jesus would stand in his own synagogue and he would read from Isaiah 61 and he would say and quote Isaiah, he would read Isaiah 61 and says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has what? Anointed me. He's Mashiach, the anointed one. That's what Christ means. Messiah means the anointed one. And even though he's the son of God, he really did not take on the Messiahship until the Holy Spirit came and landed on him. That's how phenomenal that was. The Holy Spirit is now on him. He's now anointed. And he goes immediately into a wilderness, hand-to-hand combat with that old serpent that had messed up the Garden of Eden, tore man down, broke man, damaged man. And he, that serpent, left from that conversation being the defeated one. And Jesus was often running with his ministry. And here's my last two points. And I, I won't take as much time with them so you get relief. You know, I only have so much in my gas tank, and I'm, I'm, I go full bore. How's that? Watch the language here. Luke chapter 3, I want to take you back to this. John answered and said, I baptize you with water, but the one who is more powerful than I will come and the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize what? He will baptize not people. He will, what's that little word? He will baptize you. The very people he was speaking to said, you're in line, not just for my baptism, you're in line for his baptism. And I wonder how many people in the upper room out of the 120 people went into the Jordan River and was baptized by John. I think there was some sitting there that three years later, after Jesus was initiated and brought into his Messiahship, the, the function of him as Messiah, he had done no miracles. He had not, he had not gathered any attention to himself. He had taken care of his mother and his brothers. He had worked as a carpenter. He hadn't done anything until then. I know there's a popular movie that came out, and there's a spurious gospel that said Jesus was a little boy, and he made little birds out of clay, and, and he breathed on them, and boof, they flew off out of his hands, a little boy. I don't know if you remember the movie that came out, The Boy Messiah. It's like, that didn't happen. He didn't do any miracle until he turned the water into wine at Cana of Galilee. Why, what was different? It was the anointing. It was this empowering, this, this release in him as the Son of God, but the Spirit came upon him, and there's this connection between John and Jesus that John told the people who are following him, who had been baptized him, you're in line for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And there's this tone of inclusion. John didn't preach to people that he felt like would not follow Jesus. He was expecting them. He was expecting them because they accepted his word. They accepted what he was saying to them. They was already repentant of their lifestyle. They'd already given up their habits, and they had already come in a repentant heart. And he was telling them, if you come this way, God will forgive you. You'll live differently. And it was these people he wanted to include them. This is why he didn't project it 
so far offices. And somewhere down the line, he's going to baptize people with the Holy Spirit and fire. He says, no, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And yet there's a separative function of it. Verse 17 and 18 ought to be a little bit troubling for us. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John exhorted, exhorted the people. He passionately called the people and proclaimed to them the good news to them. There would be an ingathering of the wheat. The Holy Spirit would cause a separation between the repentant and those who rejected the message, the winnowing fork, this uh, tool that is used by wheat farmers to separate the wheat grain from the husk. The, the husk was no good. It was useless. It was the wheat itself, the grain that meant. And the winnowing fork was to toss it in the air and break the husk off of the wheat. And it, it separates the wheat from the husk. And, and this is what he's saying. He said there's going to be a separation of people from those who believe and those who repent and those who don't. When you look at the closing words of Mark's gospel, it ought to create a little bit of a shudderiness. I want to ask the praise team to come on up. You think about what Mark said toward the end of chapter 16 in his gospel. He said, listen, we might not like the language, but it, it, it really is like this. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Shall be in the judgment of God. There's the separation of the believing and from the unbelieving. It's troubling in our culture today to have easy believism. That you can, you can claim Jesus but not live anywhere near what he wants you to do. But it's okay. He just he loves you. He's not going to... He doesn't judge you. Where did that come from? Yes, he's all the time evaluating us. He's not against us like the song we just sang. And I want us to do that song. He's for us, but he's for us to follow him, to live our lives for him. We may think of the fire being like the fire, cloven tongues of fire sitting upon them, and that was part of the baptism. According to this, that's not what he's talking about, is it? The winnowing fork is in his hand, and he's going to separate the wheat and gather the wheat into his barn. But what is he going to do with the chaff? He's going to burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. In other words, there's this judgment of God upon those who reject the gospel. You know, I was, uh, I, I, I hardly, I don't know of any time I ever did what I did this week in talking to someone at Sam's, at the world's cheapest lunch. But I, I tell you what prompted is because I'm, I've told our staff Tuesday, I'm a people watcher. I, I don't know what it is about me. I notice what people are doing. I just notice people. Maybe it's a curse. I don't know. But uh, many times I sit there and I've looked at the people that are milling through there and I wonder, I wonder how many of these people know Jesus. I wonder how many people are on their way to heaven. I wonder if Jesus came right now 
How many people would be left right here? I wasn't even thinking that. I got in the line for the world's cheapest lunch. And I was going to, I was going to be a lot better than a hot dog. I was going to get a, um, a pretzel. That's what I was going to get, a pretzel. And this lady comes up behind me. Looks like she's in her 40s, 50s. And her mom is with her. I see, I shouldn't notice stuff like that, but I do. And her mother says she's going to go on down to the pharmacist, and I'm, I'm hearing this, and she's like right there. And I turn, and I just look at her. You know how people do when they're close to, like, elevators. It's like... And she's staring off that away while I'm looking right at her, about like this. <laughs> See, she's staring off. She's like, I'm making her, Maggie, uncomfortable. Bye. <laughs> Going with the story? Okay, you're, yeah, yeah, she looks that way. But then she looks at me, and this is what I say to her. Have you ever wondered, all these people, I mean, there's lines at every register, all these people, have you ever wondered how many of them are on their way to heaven? And she looked at me, and she said, no, I don't think about that. I'm just trying to get there myself. So I wait. I'm not done. I'm not done. I've got her talking now. She looks at me, and she, over the next few minutes, tells me the most fantastic story. She says, you know, I, uh, for 21 years, I was an alcoholic. Everything crashed on me. My dad died on Father's Day. I'm a single mom. My second child was born with problems, and I just, I just caved. So much was on me, and I just turned to alcohol. It was my escape, and the more I did it, the worse I got. She said, but I can tell you, after 21 years, in a few minutes, God healed me completely of alcoholism. And, and she went on, and she said, you know what? To stay strong in this culture that we're in today, you need to stay in the Word, stay in prayer, and be in church. And all my sons are in church. I'm in church. And she just, I, I didn't even have to say anything else. She was off and running. But here's the thing. There's a lot of people that want to be the wheat when they're living like husk. Husk is an empty shell. It has nothing of worth in it. It has nothing to offer the consumer, the farmer, anybody. It's only good to be burned up. And yet there's people like that hus walking around as an empty shell. They are not even... All that she said about people doing what they need to do to stay strong is what people do because they're believers. You hit this book, you hit your knees, you're with the fellowship of other people, and if you're not there, you're turning into husk. You're turning into husk. And, and maybe there's people here in this room that you think God is against you because she felt like God was against her. She felt like God let her down when her dad died on Father's Day, when everything could go wrong in her life, with her second son, with all the problems with his birth and all of that, and she went to anesthetize the pain and realize that he was there all the time wanting to heal her, wanting to save her. And I wonder if Jesus stood in front of us 
like John the Baptist stood in front of people and says, you need to repent of the things you're doing. And you repent of being critical, repent of being angry, repent of being harboring unforgiveness, repent of gossip, repent of character assassination, repent of holding a grudge, repent of refusing to make things right with people that you know you need to make things right. These are things that matter to God, do they not? Do they not? Would you stand with me? I really didn't make that as brief as I intended to. What would Jesus ask us to show the seriousness of what we mean when we say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. I, I haven't done, I haven't used my gifts, my talents, my life. It's really, I've used it all for me. It's been about me. It's, been, it's all about me. And I'm, I'm frustrated. I'm, I'm just, I just don't have a good feel about life. Well, today you can say, Lord, I'm turning from that. That's what repentance is. I'm turn it's not just saying, I'm sorry, it's Lord, I don't want to be that way. Immerse me in your spirit, Lord. When we sing this, He is for us, not against us. If you need to bring something, you lay it at His feet. I want you to do that this morning. And not leave here with it. That woman was healed of alcoholism in minutes. You can be healed of a broken heart. You can be healed of a heavy heart. You can be healed of depression. You can be healed of anything that's latched onto you that's not of God. Resentment, unforgiveness. Oh, Lord, may you deliver us today to fully be immersed in your spirit and burn. The chaff away, Lord, burn the empty husk. Purify us, purify our hearts, Lord.